1: welcome into to this week in unc baseball with coach scott forbes i'm your host tommy ashley that's the other host matt clements we're sponsored by johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com the other young man on the screen you see there is head north carolina baseball coach scott forbes matt, i'm sorry it's been a crazy time in carolina <laughs> basketball and you know but this is the fun times Coach, Virginia series, you got uh, lost two out of three, Um, but I'm going to start on a positive note. I felt like the pitching staff made some strides against the Wahoos. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, Obviously, they jumped Carlson pretty good. Carlson had been under the weather. I don't want to make excuses for him because he chose to pitch. I mean, he was able to pitch, but he obviously wasn't two things. He wasn't his sharpest and they jumped him pretty hard. But after that, I felt like everybody, for the most part, threw well. Um, we're starting to figure out our bullpen. You know, I feel like now we really do feel like we have a legitimate closure if we don't use them before the ninth inning. And Matt Poston, um, he's really emerged as a guy with an out-off speed pitch and, and a good fastball. Um, we thought it was going to be Peterson, but now we can use Peterson earlier. Um, but again, you don't you want to win every series, right? Of course. So we're unhappy about that. But that was a backs against the wall. We've been in those many times because you know the, the weekend series. We say Sundays, you got a chance to sweep. It's the rubber match, or you got to prevent from getting swept. And sometimes that pre- doesn't matter if it's home or away. That's a character win for our guys, and I was proud of the way they they fought back because that was a tough. It's hard to win that doubleheader, that second game after you lose that first one.
1: Yeah, and watching those games, um, l- let's work back. We'll work off the win on on Saturday afternoon, the late game, second game. Uh, Jake Knapp again. Uh, you mentioned posting. Um, what kind of growth did you see from them with their stuff? Or you know, mentally, obviously they're coming together, but physically and what they were able to do against Virginia bats. I mean, Virginia can hit the baseball, and they showed yeah. it throughout the weekend, and then on. Sunday afternoon is a dead stop for that offense. Yeah. What would you see?
2: Yeah, you know, if you look at the whole series from them swinging, they were ultra aggressive. They were up there to swing. Um, and then after crossing game one, you know, A.C. and Sandy just diced them. Uh, you know, 16, you know, maybe between those two. I know A.C. struck out nine. Sandy probably had four or five. Um, so we knew that they were pitchable. Obviously, they're very talented and great hitters. You know, they, they hit mistakes. I thought Knapp showed you the type of stuff that he has because he still walked five, but they weren't bad walks. You know, there's sometimes it can be a good walk because you don't want a certain guy to beat you, like a Galoff or a Teal. Um, and then he made some really big pitches when he had to, um, and he just keeps getting better. You know, he had not had that full six days yet, so now he goes into that full six days rest. Well, he could have seven, depending on what happens at Pitt with the cold weather. Um, but I think his velocity will only climb. His off-speed keeps getting better. Um, and, he, and normally he don't walk many people. So, you know, I think he kind of scattered those walks because he didn't want guys to beat us. And Poston, honestly, he's kind of – he's one of those guys, that's why you coach. You know, it's easy to coach an Alex White and Andrew Miller, um, the Dustin Ackley's. But, you know, you get a guy like Poston, didn't have a – he had a good year at the junior college, but not great. His command would come and go. Um, he was always a high-velocity guy, and a credit to him and Coach Gaines and all the work they put in. He got a little bit better in the fall, a little bit better. But if you'd have asked me, you know, at the end of the fall, is Matt Poston going to be one of your top relievers, I would have said maybe over time. I don't know if he will be this season. And sure enough, man, he's he's been unbelievable. And he didn't have that split. That's a hard pitch to hit. Now his velocity starting to climb in that. I think he reached back for 95 the other day. Um and he really feels his position well and holds runners. And I think that's so valuable in those later innings. Uh, so both of them, you know, they're, they're older guys, Juco guys, but still a lot different pitching in the ACC and pitching against a team like Virginia. So I was really proud of both of them.
0: Coach Forbes, how do you feel that uh, Johnny Castanazzi and Alberto Asuna are bouncing back, seeing live pitching with both being, missing time in the preseason?
2: Yeah, you know, I think Alberto's first 20-25 at-bats you can throw out. Um, even though Johnny's – you can throw his out even more than Johnny's because he literally couldn't even swing. You know, he had a broken handmaid bone. When he got cleared, it was the first time he had swung a bat in four weeks. And we just put him in the lineup. Johnny was able to swing, but he couldn't face a machine at a high velocity or live arm. So his, his is more of a timing thing. Um, so I'm, I think Johnny's timing will come back pretty quick you know, because he's able to swing at 100% right away. But both of them are making great progress. Johnny off the bench the other day, I mean, he scalded that ball to second base, sure enough, granted into to a double play, but he still hit it hard, and then he hit the big home run. Any run against Virginia is a big run because, you know, they're probably the best offensive team, top to bottom potentially in our league, um, if you look at it. So they're, they're both doing doing great, and they're, they're starting to get back to form.
0: Yeah. Also, I noticed that you move uh, Vanderbrake down to sixth on the order on Friday while moving Alberto up to cleanup. How long do you think it'll take for the ACC pitchers to figure out a scouting report on Vanderbrake? You know, he's second on the team with seven home runs behind Horvath with eight.
2: Well, I think they're trying to figure it out. Um, You know, Parker, you know, we just felt like in that matchup doesn't mean it was the right call because we're human beings too. Um, it was a tough matchup on Vanderbreak, just the way his swing works. Um, but we moved him right back in it because, for me, you know, I do like someone in there. In a perfect world, we start sandwiching some guys like Vanderbreak or Cook in between some of those heavy hitters that don't run so you have a little bit of speed and some action you can do as well. Uh, so I think you'll still see Vandy in there. Cook is starting to come along extremely strong. He's starting to have better and better at bats. Both those guys run. Um, so if we can – Spread out a little bit between Osuna, Frick, Stokely, Castagnoli. That helps a little bit, you know, as far as the dynamic of the lineup.
1: Let me, uh, and we'll bounce around here. This is certainly UNC baseball with Scott Forbes. We've got to keep him on his toes, uh, so there's no uh, question list. Let me ask you about uh, double plays, grounding into them, and turning them. Um, I believe if the stats are correct, and it sounds low five for North Carolina on defense this year. That seems low. Is that a function of the infield middle guys still trying to figure it out or what's going on there, if anything?
2: You know, I would have to honestly, I looked at the same thing this morning. I was scouring through all the stats. Um, You know, I think number one, you look at how many ground balls and how many fly balls have been given up and where those base runners are and how many uh, potential double plays that we have had. The negative of the shift is it's harder to turn a double play if you are in a true shift because the throws farther and the infielders have a, a longer separation. As the season goes along, sometimes we have more data analytically. We still try to get to where we can cover maybe a little bit of a shift, but also turn a double play. I think that's going to, that number is going to increase because both those guys have been pretty dang good defensively. We had that one hiccup game where every infielder threw a ball away. Um, but I think that'll pick up. Uh, grounding into double plays, you know, you don't want to ever. You it's 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 a rally killer most of the time. But like in a situation where Johnny did the other day, at the end of the day, when you're having a bat, you're trying to hit the ball hard. Obviously, there are times you want to try to get it into the air, but hitting's hard. So if you get a pitch and you hit it hard, that's usually a good thing. And Johnny just hit it right to him. Um, but I think I think we'll I think it's more. I don't think we've had a ton of opportunities to turn them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Obviously, you remember when you're hitting and you, you got bases loaded, no outs, or yeah. you know, then you strike out and then have a double play or something like that. So that, that you're right about the momentum there. Um, I'm going to step on Matt's question. Let's, let's talk about Casey's catch and then his evolution into an outfielder out there. Um, you've locked down the right field side, it looks like to me. What's your take there?
2: You know, Casey came in as an infielder. He he had the shoulder injury last year, so he had to miss the whole season. Um, But one thing we noticed was he was a good second baseman defensively, but he was phenomenal when there was like a floating ball in the air. Um, You know, Virginia's second baseman had a really good play on us in the first inning. Might have been a game one where he went a long ways and caught it. Casey was really good at fly balls, um, and we thought he was a little behind some of our other infielders. So we said, okay, we need to get him in the outfield. He moves well. He's got enough arm to play Right. Um, and Coach Howe, who coaches our outfielders, you know, spent a lot of time with him, and he just he keeps getting better and better and stronger and stronger. Um, if anything, with Casey, we had to stay on him about, you know, making sure he doesn't get lazy and catching balls like Andrew Jones down here because it's easy for him. Like, catching a fly ball is really easy for him. He has a good first step. Um, but he's worked on – he hasn't worked on that play. But Coach Howell's worked really hard with our guys, like, okay, that, you know, you got to get to that wall as fast as you can if you have a chance to make a great play against the wall or going into the wall in case he had no fear of that padded wall and somehow came up with that ball. It was an unbelievable, one of the best plays I've seen in a long time. And a huge play for us, a huge play for us. Um, that was the difference for me, game three compared to game two. We didn't make plays I thought we should have made. Um, now obviously we need to score more than three runs, but we could have won that game three to two. Game two, if we made more defensive plays. But game three, we made every play and, and some big plays. So that was the biggest, preventing a two-run home run.
0: So, Coach Forbes, when you talk about the shift, and you've mentioned before the range that Horvath, Vanderbrake, and Wilkerson have, how do, you, how does, how do the, you work with the analytics to figure out the best place to put them? And then also, with their range and, like, zone rating or outs above average, which are, I guess, analytical type stuff, um, how does that sort of showcase the the defensive skills that they have? Basically, having three shortstops in the in
2: yeah the yeah that's where you can not play as much as a set shift. You know, if you have Johnny at second base, you're going to put him more in a shift. Like this is where you got to be because your range is limited. Um, those guys have more range, uh, and that we talked about that today. As a matter of fact, we worked out in the indoor because we're going to play on turf tomorrow night, and then we're going to play on turf this weekend. And uh, we just talked about like our errors have not many knock on wood have come from the glove. You know, a lot of them have been coming from the throw because these guys get to the throw, but they've still got to be accurate and shuffle their feet. Um, but they're going to get to more balls. And when you get this information, you, you know, we have it. Our analytics team does a good job, but we also scout ourselves. Uh, you know, you have to you, – you look at it and you're like, okay, it's pretty obvious that Teal hits the ball here on the ground. And then you have to be okay, like the other day against Virginia, they bled us to death. In game two, they got a bunch of C&I singles, and that's just part of the game because you don't necessarily pitch towards the shift. You pitch towards your pitcher's strength. But I think, you know, the key to turn more double plays, like we talked about, is you have a decision to make. Are you going for one out here and playing a deeper shift? Are you trying to stay close enough where we can turn that double play? And we started doing that later in the season last year. We started pinching the middle a little more, not traditional pinch the middle. And we started turning more double plays. So I'm hoping that'll be the case. But a shift is a shift. You know, if you grab an out, chances are you're going to prevent that big inning.
0: How special is it going to be to go up to Charlotte and see uh, Coach Woodard, you know, obviously a UNC pitcher and uh, assistant coach here and uh, get a chance to see him in charge of his own program and, and doing well?
2: Yeah, no doubt. Um, when I looked out, number one, I told Woody, because you know, I'm really close to Woody, I coached him. Um, and he I'm proud of him, but he's a tar Heel through and through. You know, if there's somebody that I know that's pulling hard for UNC baseball every game, it's Robert Woodard. Um, so therefore I do the same for Charlotte. And I know it helps him, it helps his program when a school like North Carolina comes there, but it also helps us. They're gonna be a good team. I knew that they had instead they were gonna have new turf. Um, and I knew that we were going to have to go to Pitt and play at turf. We're going to have to go to Notre Dame and play at turf. And a lot of people were like, well, it's easier. Well, of course, the ball's not going to hop as much, but it's a different game. The ball's a little bit different. So the more you can get on it, the better. Um, but it's going to be awesome just to to
1: help his program.
2: I don't want to help him with anything, though, except us being there because I want to get on the bus with a win. <laughs>
1: That's pretty awesome. You know, I've always thought, and you obviously feel the same, is that North Carolina needs to play North Carolina schools. Mm-hmm. And in every sport, football is a little bit different, but but especially in baseball. I mean, how important is that for you as far as the state of North Carolina, sort of the rising tide raises all ships within the borders, you know, except maybe State and Duke?
2: Well, you know, we're going to play State and Duke, you know, because of the league. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you as, as as a coach at North Carolina, you have a choice. Like with the East Carolina series, okay, do you want to play good baseball and really good teams because they're good and they're they're a postseason team, and you got to be able to handle, you know, what you're going to get from passionate fans that don't want to lose to East Carolina. And I'm I'm willing to handle that because I think either way, playing better teams make you better. We don't have to go on the road and play at Charlotte. We don't have to go on the road and play at UNC Wilmington. We can find another school, like you said, and give them a guarantee from out of state to come in here. But you want to try to play as many in-state teams as you can. And for me, if I'm going to go on the road, I want it to be, you know, against a quality opponent uh, that has a chance to potentially make the postseason that's going to help us get better. And I feel that's that's the case with Charlotte. We can't go to all of them every single year. But I agree 100%. You want to try to play in-state schools as much as possible.
1: Yeah, and it's fun for the fans, and it's fun uh, to see, you know, North Carolina take care of business within the borders. Um, for for some of those schools like East Carolina, UNC Wilmington, that like to chatter um, about how good they are, and then step up and play them. Let me ask a sort of a, I'm just curious question: Is what do you think as a baseball guy about the shift? When you boil it down, not as an as an effective plan or whatever, but in general, as I don't like it, just to be honest, as, as an old-school baseball person.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I'm probably right in the middle. I, I would be fine if they got rid of it like they have in the big leagues. Um, you know, I, I don't I, – I will say, there, when it's like a shift that's drastic, I don't love it because I'm like, man, like, come on, like, you know, this is – a guy scalds a ball a one hop to right field and the second baseman is standing there. <laughs> how they are against Hunter Stokely. You know, I feel like Stokely would be hitting about 390 right now if they didn't have the shift. Uh, so I'm 50-50, but honestly, I might even be more. I might be 70 in favor of getting getting rid of it.
0: So, Coach Forbes, uh, who do you expect to start in Charlotte and then on Wednesday at the Bosch against High Point? And do you have any revisions to the weekend rotation with uh, how everything's been going?
2: Weekend rotation will be the same. Um, we're going to start Kevin Acy. Tomorrow night against Charlotte, uh, A.C. came out and showed what we thought. You know, we thought he was going to be one of our best guys, uh, and he he's looked more like himself even in the bullpens before Virginia. Probably going to piggyback potentially with A.C. Will Sandy tomorrow night. Uh, Will's really going to help us out of the bullpen because he's been so good against lefties. His breaking ball has improved so much. And then the plan is to start Kyle Percival at home on Wednesday against high Point.
1: Anybody injured or anything? Um, Asuna back, obviously, Kastanazi back. Are you dealing with any other significant injuries that could affect the lineup?
2: Not significant. Um, you know, we got we got a couple, you know, nicks and bruises, but everybody will be good to go. And that's what was good about having Sunday. You know, we actually got two days because this week I challenged our guys today. I said it only gets harder. You know, you guys, you look, BC goes to Virginia Tech and wins two. Duke had a chance to win, too. Everybody in our league is good. The margin for error is so razor thin. Um, But having that extra day, our guys could recover a little bit more. We're on spring break. And it's an awesome week ahead. We got Charlotte on the road. We come back. We play high point. Then we get on a plane, and we go play at Pitts. But it's also a challenging week. We'll we'll get challenged a little bit with our toughness. Um, And I I enjoy that, especially early in the season, because you got to be tough to sustain our league for all these games.
0: When you talk about the toughness of the ACC, I mean Pitt just gave uh, Florida State all they wanted, and uh, you know, not letting them get swept. What's your scouting report on Pitt?
2: You know, I, I haven't done a ton. I've done some. Um, you know, they're it's, They're, they're going to be really good at home. They've been on the road a ton. It's always a tough place to win at. Just look at how good they've been at home mm-hmm. um, since Bell's been there, especially, or just in in general. they they're good at home. Uh, they're physical. Um, they got some older guys. Hess has been out, one of their best players. He's back. He can really hit. Uh, so we'll have our work cut out for us, and the weather's going to be an issue. Might play a double doubleheader out there. It's, it's going to be cold. Um, so it, it'll be a normal ace. There just no more like, you know, there used to be a couple series where it's like, if we just play decent, we're going to win two. You have to play a complete game. From start to finish, you can't make too many mistakes. I um, mean, you got to capitalize when you can offensively to have to win two out of three in this league. Uh, So it'll it'll be a big challenge for us, but we're looking forward to it.
0: So my my fun crazy question out of uh, out of left field is, I'm guessing that Joe Jaconski's nickname is Cheesesteak. How did he get that nickname?
2: That's Jesse, the young one.
0: Oh, Jesse.
2: Jesse is Cheesesteak. They're brothers, Joe. <laughs> And Joe's another. Both these guys, man, they're really talented. Joe, Joe uh, had a great fall, but he had mono, um, and he's and he's starting to now finally get back to form. That's a tough thing. He had it preseason, and it was a severe case, so he was out. He literally couldn't do anything. He's about like Alberto. Um, and but his younger brother Jesse is always talking about cheesesteaks in Philly and which best place. And somebody just started calling him cheesesteak, and it's stuck ever since.
1: You got to have nicknames in baseball, man. There, there are so many classic ones. That might be a strong one, though. Cheesecake.
2: Yeah, it, is, it has stuck. And it helps because they're, they're, their last names are the same. Yeah. You know, so you just we just deal with it. And, uh, I think that's cool, though, that they have you know, two brothers here at the same place. Pretty neat. Yeah.
1: Let, last question before we let you get out of here, and we're talking to Scott Forbes, of course, on this week in UNC Baseball. Um, what's the locker room like? How just sort of tell fans about how fun, and and I'll give you a story. First of all, you need to make sure the guys look before they cross the street leaving Bosch. Um, I was driving down the other day to go to Max practice, and I'm not going to call the names, but they need to look before they, before they cross. I hope the they weren't
2: that stupid phone.
1: Uh, I didn't now see phones, them I will say this. I will say I did not see a phone, but I saw my life flash before my eyes. Oh, God. But it wasn't. So
2: we we almost had an injury, courtesy of Inside Carolina. (laughs) I would
1: have turned around and left and phoned it in. But, uh, you know, know, just those guys seem to really enjoy that and enjoy playing together. And I say that because at the game where the lights didn't come on, everybody could have been bummed, teed off, mad. I know you were not pleased, but your guys were over there, tossing the ball around, playing keep away and all the different games they play. I thought it was just really neat to see guys that really enjoy playing the game with each other. Yep. And you see that every day.
2: Yeah, you know, the locker room is theirs. Um, you know, I always made that really clear to them. I try to only go in in brief stints. You know, we meet in there sometimes. Um, but I played, you know, I played college baseball and I played for Coach Fox and Coach Gaines. Coach Weirs played here. Coach Hal played here. I didn't play here. The locker room's a special place, and every team, I explain to our players, you know, every team's unique. That's the neatest part to me about coaching is figuring out what you can do to help that team individually be successful because this team's different than last year's team. Yeah, we have a ton of returners, but we have a ton of new guys, and some guys are gone. Um, but one thing we work really hard on here culture-wise is we want this place to be a place that, that is the place you look forward to being at the most. And the only way for that to be the case, win, lose, whatever's going on, you got to remain positive. It's got to be a great environment. You have to have from perspective. Now, everybody knows when you lose a game, nobody's going to be, like, walking around with a cheese smile on their face. But when you play 56 regular season ones, you better be able to move on and enjoy the moment. You know, it's not like football where you're playing one game a week. Um, you got to move on from two big – I told our guys after we lost those first two, I said, well, what would – what would we be doing if we lost the first, you know, won the first two? We'd be trying to get the sweep. So our mentality should stay the same all the time. Um, but that's a mark of a good locker room, too, that those guys know. Because I preach to them, like, I don't want you to play this game tight. I think kids now play sports too tight, you know, that, that they put so much pressure. You got stuff you got. I tell them, don't get on that social media. Don't do read in that stuff. It's about your team and your teammates because you're never going to be with them again. You get one season with them. Um, and I, and I, I think that's awesome because that's when you have a good group. And as the season goes along, that, that closeness, you need it. Um, and you need everybody, even the guys that may not be playing every day right now. There's a Mikey midday somewhere that doesn't play for 25 games. And all of a sudden you're going to need to put in the lineup. Um, but if those guys are supporting one another, spending time with one another, I was watching them today during spring break, thinking to myself, man, that was a long time ago, but what a week, you know, you, You you just. You got it made this week. You got five games. You know, you know, you can get sleep. You know, we can do some team stuff. I think we're gonna go to go watch Creed three as a team, just to just to be together. But I think as a coach too, it's our job to to help. You know, build that part of the of your program, and then you have to have the guys that can do it. You know, that lead it in, when we're not in the locker room. We've got some good ones. But you're right. They, I feel like this group is gonna gonna bring it every single day. And compete. And that's the most important to me thing to me as a coach. Obviously, you want to win games, of course, but if you if you do those two things, you're going to win a good amount of them.
1: Indeed. That is head coach Scott Forbes of the North Carolina Tar Heels, 12 and 5 on the young, well, not really the young season anymore. <laughs> We're just moving along. Moving along. Charlotte, high point, and at Pittsburgh this weekend. Coach, we always appreciate your time. That's Matt Clements. I'm Tommy Ashley. Be safe.
2: Y'all have a great day. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA
0: Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition.